Good Sunday evening, everyone. Hope that y'all are staying safe out there. We're going to just try and get into some more of our normal programming here. We've all gotten plenty of obsessing over the news. At the end, though, I do want to tell you a little bit about a a piece that I wrote, which I alluded to on the the last show uh, on the COVID-19 crisis uh, and how to talk to people in your life, particularly business owners, uh, about potentially closing down or mitigating to stop the spread and flatten the curve. Uh, that's pinned to my Twitter profile at Nate Duncan NBA. But let's get into some basketball here. We're going to finish up here talking about how we did on our Western Conference over-unders. And let's start with one of our biggest misses, which was the Dallas Mavericks, which was 41 and a half. Yeah, there will be a lot of misses in the Western Conference. And it was something you and I talked about, actually, from what I recall. You listened to the podcast more recently than I did. That at the time, that the East ones felt easier than the west and we did we did better in the east than the west so i guess that ended up being right dallas yeah the overrunner was set at 41 half for those who didn't listen to the eastern conference the two proxies we're using to to assess correct or incorrect here are the team's 82 game win pace and then their 538 raptor projection as of the hiatus and in all cases but kind of one and a half both of which are in the west those things agreed so that felt like a reasonable proxy. You never know how things would have gone, but we can deal with things as they are. In Dallas's case, there was an ambiguity. Over under 41 and a half, 82 game pace, 49, Raptor 48. So well over, we both said under. And their offensive explosion is a huge part of that. We didn't know how much Kristaps Porzingis was going to play. We didn't know Luka Doncic was going to turn into an MVP candidate. So they, it looked like they were going to go well past this early in the season, but we couldn't have seen, we did, or we didn't see it coming. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not going to beat myself up too hard about them not seeing them being the greatest offense of all time coming coming into here. And certainly Rick Carlisle as a coach is someone where maybe you could have gotten that idea. I mean, I think in some ways it was similar to that 14-15 team, which was on pace for one of the best offenses ever until they acquired Rajon Rondo and tanked their own season. But this team, I mean, as you looked at it, and even after the first two weeks, and I was like, I predicted a regression from Dallas's offense because I'm like, they don't have this kind of talent. But as it turned out, Luca number one, was that kind of talent. Number two, Kristaps Porzingis really stayed much healthier than anticipated. He did have that, what did he miss, about 10 games or so with the knee issue. He hasn't played back-to-backs, but... Um, I mean, so maybe that's about as many games as I would have expected him to miss. I don't know. I thought he could have like another season-ending injury or something. I didn't know what to think of his health. It'd been so long since he played. Remember, it wasn't. He had missed a full season plus all the rest of the previous season with the torn ACL. Yeah. So and he did take a while to round into form, uh, and they got great seasons from Seth Curry. Tim Hardaway also was better than anticipated. Dwight Powell had a really nice season, and until he went down, Maxi Kleba has shot it maybe a little bit better from three than you might have expected. And they really just haven't missed a beat at any point in time of the season. And really, you said they're on pace for 48, uh, 82 game pace, 49, but they've won what like three games fewer than expected so we're not only were we off by like seven games really we're off by like what's probably about 10 games when you're thinking about the true quality of the team right and also some of those things were tied to that stretch they had without Luca, where they they lost a few more and if you if you assume that he was going to be healthier for the rest of the season than he was for that part which maybe that's not a fair assumption but they, they could have gone even beyond that so yeah I, I think so I mean anything else that we missed on with these guys you think I mean how much of this like if you're just gonna grade how dumb this was you know like if you're great us on 
our own prediction here. So if we're uh, going a 10 is 10 is maximum dumb, I would put this somewhere around a five or a six. Like it was foreseeable, but it wasn't, I don't think it was like probable. I mean, when I recorded with Arturo for Real GM Radio, I actually went over on the Mavs projection at that point. I, I, I but that some of that was him talking me into it. And I, I kind of wish that I, in this case, I wish I'd kept that optimism. That wasn't always true. But also like, I mean, their offense was was incredible, but they were below average defensively. They weren't far below average. The you know the margins was you know about one ten. I think was was the median this year, and they were at one ten point nine. But you know, so so if their offense had been slightly worse, then it would have been they still would have been really good. They probably still would have gone over. So yeah, it's it was foreseeable, but not not probable. So like I think that's I think that's the way that for me that's a five or a six. Yeah, and they put a, the other thing to me the way I'd say that we probably should have been a little bit higher on them was I talked about one of the themes before the season was they were going to be relying on three to four players that we liked but also were moving into larger roles so it really kind of been bench type of players they brought back Jordan Penny Smith who also had a pretty nice season shooting the ball compared to what might have been expected from him. he's really really improved his shot he deserves a lot of credit for that because uh, he has had some major struggles at times in the past he has burgeoned into a reliable shooter and then Seth Curry Maxi Kleba, Dalen Wright, all those guys. We thought actually even that Wright might start at point guard for them too. That was another mm-hmm. thing that, that Luca ended up just being the starting point guard. They didn't have another ball handler in the starting lineup. But all those players were kind of being asked to play larger roles, we thought. But they're all players who are good players. And maybe I was just a little bit too anchored to, all right, these guys are bench guys. They haven't done it before. Too anchored to just the number of games that they had won the last few years didn't give enough credit to the idea that they just like weren't trying down the end of some of these seasons at all uh, um but still yeah I, I mean i would go as bad as as saying it was like a seven in terms of just like how bad the prediction was to go under on them but they did have i mean if you're looking at a lot of guys here who did not either in a larger role or reach a new level of performance like they, they had not been at this level before so it was I just wish I'd kind of trusted myself a little bit more where I sort of just regressed everything back to the mean of what they had been. I was like, can they really take this big of a jump? And the answer was, uh, well, yeah. One other thing with Dallas is that while they didn't have a lot of, we, I mean, obviously they had Luca, but the lack of weaknesses, I think, was another element that I didn't piece together necessarily. And, and you always assume that with the course of the season, injuries and all that will create weaknesses if you're not deep enough. But Dallas did have a lot of, just in sheer number, a lot of guys that we liked. And so that allowed them to avoid some of the pitfalls that other teams have faced where you're just playing non-NBA players even if it's for like five or ten games you know like to get that in your rotation I thought that really helped Dallas out um I'm gonna actually up my uh badness points on this prediction to a nine because I just looked back and I had them as the 14th ranked offense in the NBA oh lord yeah not good all right take a quick break here yeah uh and then we can uh return actually no we're not ready for a break yet it's like eight minutes so let's do another team first uh, Denver is one of those uh, aforementioned. They're the half in the one and a half teams that there was disagreement, and the reason why is because their over under was set at fifty three wins, and the eighty two game pace was fifty four two. So then that would mean they went over. But then the Raptor projection was exactly fifty three. So that was a push to me. That me you they didn't say the same thing. So I would say that over is the is the better play. You could make an argument on them. I think this is one of the one of the clearer ones. But I'm going to take the loss on this. We both went under. I think that's the more fair way of adjudicating this one. One's a push and one's an over. Yeah. And 
Well, part of we this, could do we could do a tiebreaker too of just like what was what would their point differential have suggested, and they are on pace to win four point four more games than expected. They actually were uh, in terms of just their point differential were projected as a forty nine win team. Their three point their three net rating was. 10th in the nba so i think th- so then let's let's push this to a draw then i think that's wait fair. no 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 i'm saying oh, oh you're saying that it should be an over no yeah because they're they were on a better pace than 53 and then the the five well but the, the projection had them at 53 they were playing pretty badly too i mean i think you have to just technically take it as a draw i think yeah but, i think that's fair but uh i mean in terms of just grading the prediction winning they won four more games than expected so i think it should be if i feel good about it even if we can't i mean that that you know that kind of variance is going to happen throughout the course of the season um and sometimes it, we'll benefit from it of course yeah i mean especially because they had just had some like really bad inexplicable losses before the hiatus so i think uh it was the right call to go under here well, and, and part of the reason with them that we went under, while you and I both liked Denver as a team, they were bringing back so many players and a young squad that had been the number two seed in the West in 1819, was just that it is incredibly hard to win that number of games unless you are so much better. This is something we talked about with with Detroit and then with Orlando for me in the uh, in the Eastern Conference version, which is I didn't see Denver as like a 58-59 win team. And then that made it for me more confident to go under because then it's, if they're right along the margins, then small issues, whether that's injuries and they've dealt with a rash of them at the same time, which is a big problem, or players having a rough year. Gary Harris didn't defensively, but he definitely did offensively. Those sorts of things get yeah. you closer to that margin. And then, yeah, I mean, Nikola Jokic in particular was fantastic in the clutch and that helped them outperform their point differential. But yeah, I think that's why it's fair to put as a draw because well, it's, and they also benefited from a lot of shooting luck too which is something that's that we true. highlighted throughout the the season in terms of their defense so um yeah i mean fundamentally to me i think you know this felt like a team that was a more of a low 50s than a mid 50s win team and, and so i i think I, I we can't give ourselves a win that's being too nice i think but i, I think calling it as a draw especially when the 538 projection had it as uh right on 53 seems reasonable to me okay um you, you in agreement or my uh yeah i think that, i, I think nice that i think that's fair and and the, that thing that you added in of their where their point differential was going because also that can be predictive of of you know where the season would have gone and all that so for getting into kind of the merit-based parts of it yeah that's a that's a fair third consideration but there are also only there's only one other team where there's a disagreement so like i, I mean i think generally the other two things pulling there i think that's fine too yeah now of course yeah the two teams where there's a there's a disagreement you know we obviously want it to go <laughs> go the way <laughs> of course that that we picked here um yeah i mean was there anything that you think just that we uh, was different than expected about this team though i mean i think their offense was worse than i thought it would be overall yeah i would say that i mean they were overall they were 10th they were 10th in in offense and and 13th in defense and the 13th in defense had some opponent opponent shooting luck at, at moments in time and denver i think in terms of the way we talked about them i that they you know, we, every year this comes up with somebody player or team that the early part of the season solidifies certain things and jokic being so disappointing at the start of the year i think made us view him a little more harshly but then he was he was on 
fire basically once the calendar year turned over and but then that didn't always translate they had that really rough stretch right before the hiatus as you brought up at the kind of once it turned into march so i, I i'm inter- i would have been interested to see you know kind of like how these over these larger dynamics would come into play like gary harris's shooting is just such a weird such a weird thing because he'd yeah. been a stable performer still was bringing it on the defensive end and since they traded Blake beasley they didn't have as many outs there and i understand you know that they got a first round pick from trading those from trading those two guys um but that like would that have come to to, to a head in a playoff series or something like that would, t- would teams have really been willing to leave gary harris open who knows all right now let's take a little break here and we'll return to talk more about the western conference over-unders get to the golden state warriors that'll be fun the warriors over under 48 and a half uh i mean i think it got bet down a little bit more into like the 47 46 range by the start of the season uh you and I both had the under. We were extremely concerned about the lack of depth. We were extremely concerned about the defense with D'Angelo Russell and a bunch of unproven guys on the wing. The center position, we didn't know it at the time, but they would start the season with basically no healthy centers who were established at all. And it just snowballed from there. I mean, and I think they're even though, if you just told me, okay, Steph Curry is going to miss all but four games of the season, five games, I guess he came back with that one game against Toronto. If you told me that, you, I still would have thought they'd be better than they were. I mean, projecting for 22 wins and were had an 82 game pace of 19, I think that projection probably included Steph coming back and playing a little bit. I think but, it did. I mean, worst team in basketball, like not even close. Right. And the 48-5 was rosy, even if Curry had played. And that was what we got into. I remember we yeah. got into discussions with people like, you know, some of our friends before the season of they're going to be awful when Steph Curry's not on the floor. And it was it was reasonable to predict that Curry was going to miss significantly less time than obviously he did in proportion of the season. But that was always a risk there. And they were relying so much on players that either didn't have the track record with them or didn't have a track record, period. I mean, remember, not only was Kevin Durant out for the season and on a different team, but Clay Thompson was out for the season. And they didn't have a real replacement for him, didn't have we didn't know fully about the center position. Collie Stein got hurt right before the start of the season. But yeah, there were, there were a lot of risky things here. So it was kind of like the, if everything, sometimes for me, a reason to go under and you picked as one of your best bets, which obviously ended up being great because it was the largest divergence between projection and actual outcome in the entire league. And a part of it is like when that's a best case scenario or a realistic best case scenario, probably good to go the other way. Yeah, I mean, a few other things. Draymond Green was terrible Ugh. this year. I mean, even any worse, far worse than could have been expected. And they actually got more out of guys like Alec Burks and Glenn Robinson than might have been expected. But and yeah, Damian the set, Lee. yeah, yeah, Damian Lee, the, the center p- position was a total black hole as well for most of the year. Uh, you know, I mean, we didn't realize that Marquise Chris was going to be their starting center. And Chris has secured himself a role in the NBA, I think, going forward, but he's also not a good defensive player. And uh, certainly you would be concerned. Kevon Looney basically missing the whole year. That's another thing that we didn't see coming. So certainly, I'm not going to say that we predicted this, but that 48 and a half always seemed very, very rosy. And I think the way that they played for the first couple of games when Steph Curry was healthy did, in fact, uh, show that. I would agree, and yeah, they were they were rougher than I anticipated during that time, and so there was yeah, the question of would they make the playoffs, and also something that changed was you know where where is the line going to be in the playoffs? Partially, it got lower because of them, you know, like that there wasn't that eighth team, and so that allowed Memphis and New Orleans, some of the other ones, to get in the mix. Anything else on the Warriors? I think they're one of the easier discussions. Uh, I mean, yeah, it was also a bet against D'Angelo Russell, and I think sure. that, that paid off. 
It did. Uh, one of the few on the road. Are we under 500 for the year, by the way, on this year? I think we're pretty close, right? Um, I think we're right at it, basically. Yeah, you should, and maybe part of the problem was just there was so much turnover. It was just harder this year to have an idea of how all these teams were going to mesh together right um, that, and that was something like kevin pelton's models had got into some challenges like like warp and all that because generally players on new teams underperform but some of these teams still they did well i mean that was something that i got into some trouble when we get to the la teams but before we get to the la teams the houston rockets a team that had their own share of turnover 54 and a half was their over under and it looked for a brief period of time before they had a couple of weird losses of their own, like they were going to, you know, be be over that pace, but they ended up below it. 82 game pace, 51.3, Raptor projection to 52. Entirely possible that they would have actually gone over, like, you know, a, a hot stretch like they had a, a few of yeah. would have been enough. Getting, getting to 55 would have been asking a lot. Exactly. Though, so the, we'll, we'll take the L here pretty clearly. And there was that rough stretch at the beginning of the year where it looked like this was, was a really foolish, foolish bet. But then when they were able to supercharge the offense, Westbrook looking reinvigorated and not suffering defensively, that, that you kind of proved it. But then they, they weren't consistent enough even after that time to, to get over this number considering the hole they dug themselves in. Here's another LOL for you. Had Houston as the, the number one offense in the NBA. I think that was a, that was a fair projection. They've been in the top three, three or four. And they finished All third. Year. Yeah, but I had him as the sixth-ranked defense, and that Ooh. obviously did not come to fruition. I, I would have been very encouraged by the way that they had played at the end of last year where they finished the last two months of the season as a second-ranked defense, but they clearly their rebounding has been rough. They just didn't have enough bodies. They had a lot of injuries as well, working in Westbrook and Harden, uh, all that playing at a faster pace. I think it didn't really help them that much either defensively. Clint Capella was injured a lot of year the year didn't play a lot just uh, had less of an effect overall defensively um and so yeah i mean that was just, what what are they like 19th or something like that uh 15th in defense per cleaning the glasses garbage time filter yeah so uh i, I mean i had him in a tier from 6 to 14 so that that i don't feel quite as bad about that but it's still uh i, I mean in these kind of mid pack teams can all just go go anyway but um yeah, that, that was an L. Uh, Westbrook was worse, a lot worse than I thought he would be at the start of the year, then became a lot better, but that's, they had to change up the way that they were playing to go to that small ball to unlock him. Uh, but, you know, coming off of that surgery and trying to find a new way to play, not having that much spacing, the continued deterioration of a jump shot. My thought was that last year was, you know, even in terms of just his mid-ranger, was an outlier and that he could bounce back to some of his previous levels and that was not the case. His jump shot just got even worse. Um, so, yeah, I mean, this was, they were starting to do it in a different way. I would have been fascinated to see what happened the rest of the season for them, but they were pretty clear. I mean, I thought they would be the number one seed in the West and get to 56 wins. That did not happen. We also saw some issues with their depth. I think that was, you know, they ended up being able to get through by having D'Antoni play their league guys a ton of minutes, but there was, there, I mean, the fact that they couldn't really rely on too many guys outside that core rotation, you know, they, tr- Maury tried to add some guys around the buyout, buyouts and deadline and all that, but there weren't, there weren't enough guys, you know, the, something that has been hard for the Rockets the last couple of years have been, you know, guys that are taking up roster spots who D'Antoni doesn't really feel comfortable playing. Oh yeah. I mean, 
they're playing with like an eight-man rotation every night whether it's due to injuries or just i mean the nene just having a roster spot wasted on him the whole year gerald green going out for the year i mean just having two totally dead roster spots and then you throw in chandler and hartenstein neither of them contributed so they basically were working with an 11-man roster the entire year well and what was so weird about the the gerald green situation was I can understand why there was a reluctance to to trade him because they had the advantage of by retaining him get bird rights and all that. But then they ended up trading him, I mean, partially helping save money, but also yeah, partially just yeah. I mean, they technically couldn't trade him, uh, but I mean, it was out. For well, the he year, consented, so. but he. Yeah, I, he I'm consent. guessing he would have consented either way. Yeah, I mean, he he consented either way, and it was. I, I was, uh, I mean, that was just a money-saving move, right? I mean, that's why they didn't move him until the deadline because, I mean, he could, he could also just because he's a minimum salary for someone else to take in, he could be helpful for salary matching in terms of like roster spots. But sure, and he did end up going out in that trade, but he was more tradable right at the deadline because they'd paid more of his money, and so he was right. more palatable to teams to take on. Right. I mean, like a normal team that wasn't up against the tax, they probably just cut him as soon as he breaks his foot. Um. You done with them? We got any more? Yeah. Let's 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 move to the Clippers. Clippers over under was set at fifty four and a half. I was confident that both the load management for Kawhi and the injury return of, of Paul George, remember, was dealing with two shoulder surgeries and missed the start of the season, that those combined with the confidence, you know, even though they were a new new contender, that they would be able to figure it out, sort of paralleling with some of the teams of the last couple of years, that they would go under. And for a fair amount of the season, it looked possible. But then that molten stretch that they had towards the end of February, beginning of March, put the Clippers on pace to go over over 82 game pace, 56.5. Raptor projection of 58, and so taking a loss here too. Yep, second on offense and fifth on defense, and that was kind of where I had them. I had them as the fourth best offense, and I guess I, I thought it was really be the defense that would be worse, the the 12th best defense. I think that's where to get up to fifth there, uh, and again, pretty close to some other teams. So it, it wasn't like they were like sky high ahead of like the 10th best defense, but. I thought that Kawhi wouldn't give them as much defensively as he did. Uh, Paul George being out, I thought that Harrell and Lou Williams would look pretty ugly. Zubach was pretty unproven. He actually provided some very good rim protection. I mean, he, he had had some moments in the past, but again, he, he hadn't been entrusted with this large of a role on an actual good team before. And then they got all these wings in too who could switch with uh, Harkless, Jermichael Green, and... So they ended up defending in the regular season a little better. I thought they would be, and this was really just about though, like I never doubted their talent. It was just more about, eh, it's the regular season, blah, blah. And it's hilarious how many stories were coming out of there of like, all right, they're not taking this seriously enough during the regular season. There's a malaise. And oh yeah, they're still going to go like way over their over under, right? They and the Sixers to me have kind of had just in the moment compared to what the actual preseason expectations were, have had a lot more negative stories than I thought they deserve. Mm -hmm. And when you look at their overall season performance, it's, an, you know, the Clippers are going to go over their over-under probably by quite a bit, and the Sixers weren't that far off of theirs. Yeah, and the Clippers also, like, having a lot of functional depth, helping that also at the trade deadline, getting Marcus Morris, getting some buyout guys. I think that that made a big difference too. Remember, they started the season with starting Patrick Patterson because they didn't really have enough guys that, that they trusted in the rotation. All right, let's do one more here. The Lakers. We differed on this one. Their over-under was 50. I had the over, and you had the under. Oh, boy. Uh, your 
bowl of crow is waiting. It, it really is. And I didn't believe in their defense. I mean, one of the stories of the last few years had been that LeBron teams, as great as they often were in the playoffs, obviously exception of last year, um, they generally underperformed their win projections in the in the regular season. And a lot of that was just being lax on defense. I mean, you can remember, I think that was the 17-18 Cavs. Oh, God. That were, that were so extreme in that respect of like, you know, you always thought they would line up, but they just, they just didn't in the regular season. And so I was skeptical. And they were, you know, Anthony, Anthony Davis, how much was he going to play? You know, they didn't have that the depth, you know, who was going to play in the guard rotation and all that type of stuff. And I was wrong. I was totally wrong. I mean, not only did they get, I would say, better team defense than I expected, but also LeBron was, was a significant positive. And that helped push them. I mean, the Lakers were third on defense for the entire year, sixth on offense. And obviously they were better than that on offense when LeBron was on the floor. LeBron is amazing. He's MVP candidate for all those reasons. But the defense was way better, and that's what keyed it. And I thought that they would be sort of paralleling the Clippers, that they would keep their foot off the accelerator a little bit because they don't need, you know, they didn't need all, all that. They didn't need home court, but then they yeah. were just so damn I th- good. I thought I thought that's actually where you and I differed maybe the most, other than just trusting their defense was, and, and this is maybe part of why I trusted their defense was, I thought LeBron and AD were going to come out raring to go. I mean, uh, both of those guys basically just didn't play the second half of the season of last year in any meaningful way. And I thought they would just be, they wouldn't be fatigued. They would have had this whole offseason to get ready. They've been wanting this partnership for a long time. It came to fruition. I thought they would just be ready to go. And more so that they needed to get ready to go because some of the disappointments of the last couple of years with the Lakers, that they needed to change the narrative around it and establish that they were one of the best teams early on. And something I didn't think about as much is also, I'm sure LeBron was cognizant of needing a cushion. You know, so in case something did happen, that they're still in the dance and that they could still line it up, and and that ended up yeah, you know, they didn't need it, but I'm I'm guessing that might have been part of the impetus as well of you know because yeah. that Lakers team didn't have as much of a cushion as they needed. Well, and LeBron, we didn't know whether he would continue to suffer from some health problems. Sure, the w- the way that he had, we thought that this might be it, but now it turns out, at least as as of now, that last year was uh, the aberration. He's managed to stay healthy this year. Davis has largely stayed healthy, you know, to the extent that anyone does these days the biggest thing that was different about them is i don't think we saw that they would be as effective playing with a center next to davis yeah as they have been and that that had really helped their defense but i I mean i looked at down their roster and i thought all right they're gonna be big they've got ad who's talked up as a defensive player of the year candidate in the past and that kind of was forgotten over the years in, in new orleans and if LeBron is going to try, you know, there certainly were question marks like Rondo and Kuzma, what were their roles going to be? But they got KCP has been really good defensively. Danny Green has been good defensively. They had enough good players. I thought they'd be good. Now, I didn't think they would be quite at the level that they have been the number three defense uh their offense i had at number seven i had their defense at number nine so I thought, you know, they'd be in the 53 win range, which, you know, in terms of when you're doing these guesses, you're probably, you know, that three higher than the over-under is actually a pretty big number yeah. in, in terms of a lot of these. So I, I, I definitely felt good betting on them. They also have one, they would have been on pace to win 63. They have won 4.1 games more than expected. So uh, take solace, Danny. You're only off by 10 games. <laughs> well, one one other thing for me, I was, I think I was a little bit too worried about their transition defense. And yeah. it wasn't, you know, their transition defense wasn't incredible. It was around kind of more around league average there. Their half court defense was great. And you spend yeah. more time in the half court than you do in transition. Yeah. And their transition offense, I didn't see being as good as it has been. Yeah. Uh, all right. Who's uh, actually a breaks here is next here, and then we will move on to 
the memphis grizzlies another total fail on our part so memphis their over under was one that i actually really struggled with same 27 and a half before eventually going under and i thought that their defense could be respectable but i thought their offense would really struggle especially with john morant off the floor i was really worried about their lack of shooting they didn't have any established playmakers other than morant who i mean he isn't even established himself i was just projecting what he would do and jaron jackson we didn't know what he was going to be either especially coming back from having missed a, a bunch of time at the end of the previous season and dylan brooks was coming off a broken foot we didn't know what to expect with him they've gotten quality starting play out of him all year quality shooting and he's been a an inefficient secondary scorer but he has at least given them something there and we didn't know how jackson and valanchunas would play together kyle anderson was a big question mark with his shoulder injury they had a, a lot of other young guys like melton grayson allen like the two looked like an absolute sinkhole for these guys so there are a lot of questions and they have answered them pretty well although again this is a team that's been a little bit lucky in terms of uh outperforming their point differential yeah i mean they outperformed their point differential by about two wins over the course of the season so far and so they were playing it more of like a 38 win team well 38 was still 10 games over they're over under so that's yeah. that you know even that is is there and i mean i think part of it also was remember they have a, a rookie head coach not only new to yeah he's yeah, been good we, he's it's been hard good. hard to count on that yeah absolutely and so like for me one of the important stats is memphis being 15th in effective field goal percentage might not seem great but when you think about their personnel that's actually legitimately impressive to me well and jackson hitting 40 percent of his threes on eight threes per 36 minutes yes that that was pretty unexpected i mean we felt like there was more shooting potential there to unlock but he's having maybe the greatest shooting season by a big ever i mean it's it's up there uh in terms of his three-point shooting so but like that that kind of volume and we're talking about from the three-point line obviously guys like yeah. dirk uh, or larry bird if you consider him a big uh, have been better but in terms of just straight up th- three-point volume you know he's up there with like a channing fry and there's a few other places when you look at guys 6 11 or taller shooting the three uh he has one of the top five three-point attempt rates ever and he's hitting 45 percent. incredible or 40 40 percent i should say and memphis i mean i had concerns like are they going to be able to get to the line are they going to foul too much and and some of those things actually i think were 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 genuine concerns and actually ended up being accurate it was that they were better in everything else and that gave them a margin to to have have those foibles and just because and, and the other weird thing with memphis part of the reason i went under with them was this idea of the tipping point and that memphis was at when we started the season, I thought they were the worst team in the Western Conference on paper. And that generally those types of teams end up underperforming just because they're getting, they get knocked down a few extra times and then they're trying to get their draft pick. And instead Memphis went the other way where they were over that threshold and then they were competing for the eighth seed and they had things figured out and everything else. And even despite getting zero from Andre Goodall, which is something we expected because of the reporting that was out there at the time that we did this, they were still able to, to be over that threshold and then be very competitive. Well, and also, like, they were on pace for this 27 wins, basically, through the first month and a half or so of the season. Hollinger and I ruled them out of the playoffs, both of us, like, in December when we were doing our our predictions. And so then they really picked up, but it seemed like everything was heading in that direction. You're like, all right, this is a young team development, whatever. They, I mean, they openly deprioritized this season just looking at their offseason moves. Yep. And full credit to them for, for getting past that and, and retooling a little bit. And we'll have to see how Justice Winslow fits in. That was another decision that they made. But, I mean, they're they're well-positioned. Let's put it that way. 
less well positioned are oh, the Lord. Minnesota Timberwolves. 35 and a half went over. That was bad. That's going to be off by at least 10 wins. They are projected for 26 wins as of now, 24.3 on their 82 game pace. And Carl Anthony Towns, who never missed games, missing a ton of games. I mean, that was really the start of it. They they were, until Carl really started running into some problems, they were kind of around 500-ish. They might have come close to this uh, as of that time, but then uh, they really just uh, completely started tanking and Towns well, went out Minnesota, for a while. Minnesota yeah. also underperformed their point differential by one of the largest margins in the entire league. They're playing at a 30.2 win pace, but they were also on pay to, to win 24. So so another team where you could see that. So if they were, let's say they were playing on a thirty win, a thirty win pace, and then Towns actually played a higher proportion, they could have gotten closer to this. But yeah, with with those factors all in concert, it became it became a lot tougher. And I mean, their defense was. Eh, it, it wasn't it wasn't inspiring even when they were kind of at full strength there was the idea that maybe they would piece it together a little bit more than they did remember? yeah they well they remember they'd had that stretch when Covington when Covington was healthy the year before where they actually looked okay defensively right and I, I picked them as the 23rd defense in the NBA but 11th on offense and most of that was a bet on Carl Anthony Towns being awesome and when Carl Anthony Towns was on the floor this year 114 offensive rating pretty yeah. awesome and if and if you jump that using 538 or sorry using cleaning the glasses garbage time filter that goes up to a 115.5 92nd percentile yeah. and they also were only a negative 1.5 net rating when towns was on the floor and yeah they had very little depth behind him which was a, a concern i mean andrew wiggins probably actually played a little bit better than would have been thought i agree for them before he got moved and obviously now that getting russell and beasley and hernan gomez i mean none of and trading away covington i mean none, none of that really was remotely predictable at the time and yeah, maybe them getting russell would have been but uh the way it happened and all that yeah i mean so this is one where i don't think the process was that bad but obviously we're going to take a huge i mean but betting on this was all a bet on carl anthony Towns being a wonderful offensive player and i mean they had when he was off the floor they had a 102.4 offensive rating basically worse than the nba so they uh when he they, they weren't going to get it done without him uh, and now that that offense is, looks better because they have some more firepower without uh, him being back but it was a disappointing season from the wolves and I, I can imagine that their over-under for next season is going to be a really challenging one. Oh, man. Yeah, hopefully we'll get a look at them if there's a, a truncated regular season here at the end uh, of the hiatus. Yeah. All right, here's here's the one that, uh, the other one that's kind of up in the air. Model here. fight! Yeah, the New Orleans Pelicans, over-under 38.5. And the challenge here is that they were on pace to win 36 but due to combination of the players that were available and that incredibly soft schedule, 538's Raptor model projected that they would win 40 games. And also New Orleans was, for the season, underperforming their point differential pretty remarkably. Uh, they actually were underperforming it by more than Minnesota, 4.6 wins as of that point. So we're calling it a draw. I think that's the most important, the most fair way to do it. Well, but well, I expect, I expect they would have gone over. Here's another thing, like when we did this, we didn't know that Zion Williamson was going to miss the first two thirds of the season. Right. Now, we probably also didn't know that he'd be as awesome as he has been when he got back. I mean, he still was a rookie. It still was tough to believe that he was really, really going to drive winning, but it, he has been really good. Now, I when I looked at it, I thought they could have a really good defense. I actually, be, with Favors and Ball and Holiday, I thought Ingram could be okay. 
And they also had Josh Hart. I thought Zion could at least make some plays. I didn't think he'd be like a big plus defender, but I didn't think he'd be as bad as he's been since he came back. And Favors obviously missed a bunch of time. They started 6-22. and 22. They were really unlucky during that 6-22 and 22 stretch. Since Favors came back, we talked about this uh, on a previous pod, they were playing at a level of the number eight defense when he was on the floor. Now, I probably should have been a little more concerned about what it would look like with him off the floor, but I don't feel that terrible about having them in that range. Now, they're... I probably should have put a little bit more into Alvin Gentry, not exactly being a defensive coach. He usually prioritizes offensive lineups. And I had him in a tier, that tier from 6 to 14. So I wasn't like feeling so strong that they'd be up there. But as I really went through it, I thought, man, these guys have a lot of defensive talent. But finally, I, I mean, I'm not going to take too much credit here because while Zion was out and that's something that we didn't see coming and kind of got burned on, Brandon Ingram being this yes. good, we didn't see coming either. So I think those things kind of canceled each other out in the end. Yeah, I, I think that's fair. I mean, Ingram, the, the progression that he had, especially as a shooter, was not something we expected. And then he was able to shoulder so much of the offensive burden in the early stretch of the season was, was huge for the Pelicans. So they were succeeding in a way that was somewhat different than we expected. Yeah, so I think we'd have to technically call this a push, but when you consider the point differential and consider the easy schedule as well going forward and that they were projected to go over that, projected still by some to be the eighth seed i think ultimately we we made the right call on these guys uh even if we can't prove it (laughs) that's that's my feeling well one that we that we can prove because they went over before the season went on a hiatus is the oklahoma city thunder the thunder over under was set at 31 and a half i picked this as one of my best bets it was actually the only western conference team over under that i picked your only one was was the warriors and OKC blew past this. They were uh, on pace to win 51.3. The Raptor projection was 50. And the vets that they had played a lot. They were healthier than we expected, and they played really well. And then they got enough from everybody else. And so, yeah, I mean, this is just a great story for the Oklahoma City Thunder after they traded their two best players for largely draft pick compensation, though, of course, they did get Chris Paul and Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Yeah, and Dennis Schroeder just had not been a winning player up until this year. He has uh, had some moments. He at least has helped them in the lineups playing with Chris Paul, and he's played without Paul. It hasn't been that good well, for them. But. I think that's what I want to say about this is Donovan did a nice job for the most part of putting yeah. Schroeder in position to succeed. And that is an important thing. You know, not every coach has that opportunity just because who else do they have on roster and everything else. But Schroeder, you and I have I would say justifiably focused a lot on his imperfections, but he has strengths too. And I thought that Donovan did a nice job of making sure that those were more pressing. So playing him with another guard who can handle the ball and then where he didn't have to take a big defensive assignment. Now you would generally like somebody who can bring greater strength to the table, but he still had other things that he could do. Yeah, Donovan, we didn't know how he would look away from Russell Westbrook. The answer is he's looked pretty good. Yeah. Chris Paul being healthy for the entire year. I had that Incredible. stat last week that he's had his 18th in the entire NBA in minutes played at age 34 was remarkable. Gildas Alexander has exceeded expectations for me as well. Gallo stayed healthy. Steven Adams came on later in the season after looking a little bit rough early. They've they've gotten the patina of confidence from some of these backup branch wing brigade who just were totally unproven. Well, but then they also were able to make a to make a closing lineup that didn't include any of those guys. I think that was yeah. important too. Yeah. So I mean, this isn't a fifty-one team, a fifty-win team. Hollinger disagreed with me, but I told him I thought they're a total paper tiger in the playoffs if that came around. But 
they're gonna they would have been eight even if Paul had missed more time and just played at his current level when healthy and they, they have won almost four games more than expected but they still would have been in the playoffs they would have been uh, into the 40s they would have been over this by at least 10 wins so we did go over you were more optimistic on them than I was I was had some concerns about I thought Gallo was like maybe the most likely player in the whole NBA to get traded as it turned out with them being good and some of the teams that needed him like Portland not being good there wasn't a market for him and they tried to trade him to Miami but Miami didn't want him if he wouldn't extend which he didn't and so he ended up staying on the team all year there were some ways that this really could have gone south for them yeah had they not been as good early on but yeah it's mean, sort of sort of the yeah. parallel of Memphis in that if they, if things had gone a little bit more sour then you could have seen them turn more dramatically but since they were good enough then they stayed over that line the Phoenix Suns on pace for 33 wins by both their 82 game pace and the 538 projections as of March 12th. Their over under was 29 and a half. You and I both went under. They are going to exceed this by pretty comfortable margin, one would think. Where did we go wrong on this one? Well, they didn't exceed their point differential by much. So I, th- I think what the uh, they actually didn't ex- they they were uh, they underperformed it. For me, the, the the thing here was just the value of competent play all around. I mean, I think we were tying too much to the prior of how bad they had been the previous seasons, but adding in Ricky Rubio, adding in better play also from Kelly Oubre, that they just, they didn't have as many weak points. And the previous year, they had gotten so little, let's say from the point guard position, that that's why part of why Devin Booker took on a larger role and largely succeeded there. But also, I mean, growth from guys like Devin Booker. I think Booker is a meaningfully better player. And even if we projected some improvement, he improved more than I expected. Yeah, I think that's true. I had him on uh, my all-star team this year, had him on all NBA teams at points here. 62% true shooting was much more efficient than he had been. And Ricky Rubio was just a massive ad for this team, maybe more than could have been anticipated because in particular, they had such a, a black hole at point guard last year. And the biggest thing that surprised me early on was their defense and that ultimately fell to 20th by the end of the year and and was kind of going down they got a ton from Aaron Baines early on as well I mean they were looking like they could be a 500 team a playoff team early on in the season and then things fell off especially defensively Booker's defensive effort regressed uh they were missing DeAndre and who actually might have helped I mean at backup center you know they had a lot of games where they're playing Frank Kaminsky at center then he goes out they had to play some minutes with Czech Diallo they played a lot of minutes with Dario Saric at center and it was just it was too hard to keep the defense up in those scenarios the offense fall off a, a cliff with Rubio so maybe a little bit healthier of a season and they could have been in playoff contention but things just uh, kept going off the rails for them but it, it was really uh they finished up 18th on offense and 20th on defense so a below average team on both ends of the floor but they were better with their best players out there than expected and they just overall took incremental steps forward uh, compared to where we thought i thought they would be in the bottom tier in defense i didn't think that rubio would make that big of a difference i didn't think baines would make that big of a difference i think they did yes uh, and and then offensively you know especially with booker on the floor they were outstanding this year uh compared to where they had been they were above average with booker on the floor and without him and rubio that's where they that's where that 18 comes from you know if they had had a little bit more backup 
competence and fewer injuries they might have even finished in the top half of the league in offense yeah it was definitely possible and that's part of why the job that james jones has from here is such a challenge because it's you know they have some retentions you know baines they have bird rights but are they willing to pay whatever he's going to get and then we've talked about the issue with charge before that you can keep him but he has this big cap hold and they have to basically choose at some point between that and and, and whether they want to use cap space so lots on the table for yeah. them i thought charge had a, a bit of a disappointing year i think that- I they brought him in to i think i mean you know they traded down from six to 11 to get him you don't do that for a guy you think is going to be there for one year but now it does seem likely that the cap space is going to be the better option than uh keeping his 11 million dollar cap hold on the books i would agree with that you ready to move on to portland yeah wow this is another one where the over under 46 and a half and I had the over. What did you have in this? Oh, I had the over. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, because Portland had been even in the kind of, they had had some ebbs and flows defensively. They'd obviously been great offensively when Lillard had been on the floor for a few years now. And we knew that Yusuf Nurkic was going to miss a lot of the season. And he was projected to come back actually, as we record this today, Sunday, March 15th, I believe was the day he was expected to return. And but then the other big thing that that made them fall apart was the critical mass of injuries. So this was a team that was very shallow in the front court. They did get Hassan Whiteside to replace him, giving up Harkless in that process and giving up the ability to use money kind of in other ways. And it took getting Carmelo Anthony and eventually Trevor Reza for Camp Bazemore to even get slightly above water there. And I mean, that was a huge problem. I mean, when losing, I think you're the one who put it this way, when losing Zach Collins helped sink your season, then that was a big problem to begin with. Yeah, and then Carmelo Anthony gave them a stopgap option, but he's really been below average on both ends of the floor. I mean, particularly defensively, uh, he is just—he was so bad in that game that they had against Phoenix a, a bit before the break. Well, like, there's there's a good object lesson here of being better than what a team has and being good are two different things. Yeah, yeah, and I mean, and and so we talked about that this team's offense could be awesome right that I, I had them 20th on defense and fifth on offense this year and with dame lillard on the floor 114 offensive rating they're right where you would have thought you know you're obviously going to get a drop off normally but they've had a drop off of nine points per 100 you know really bottom five type of offense when lillard is off the floor anthony simons you know it seemed like he had taken a step forward early on but then you kind of look down and his his stats are not good both the on off stuff and uh his individual efficiency and he was really overwhelmed trying to run the offense and then you know as you mentioned just the loss of the forwards Hassan Whiteside has been has put up some stats and blocked some shots but I mean their defense is bottom five in the NBA and their personnel probably would have anticipated that that would be the case also Kent Bazemore just having a horrendous season Rodney Hood tearing his Achilles like he he at least if he was going to be their small forward could have helped their offense a lot even if they're you know so maybe they could have been this bad defensively but also pretty good on offense and he could have helped maybe with those units when Lillard was off the floor to provide scoring where they wouldn't have had to go to to the Carmelo Anthony solution but yeah I mean it's just everything has been you know they're they're kind of four places lower on offense and seven places lower on defense than I kind of thought they would and I was really agonizing over that 46 and a half as I recall I I I went with the over because they won 53 a year ago and I just thought that Lillard was that good and he certainly came through 
um you know maybe they would have been a little closer if he hadn't hurt his groin but ultimately i mean they're gonna fall so far short of this uh in the end um anything else that sticks out there i mean this is a team that kind of had more disaster potential as you like to put it just because of the lack of depth and that was amazing. I mean, they, they also lost, you know, their starting three and their starting four for the season, basically within the first month. That, within that the first month, help. and already were without their starting five. Who right. was I, who yeah, made but, a huge but we difference? Knew, that we knew. We knew, we knew, we knew that. And that was priced into the over under as well. So like that yeah. that we can we can factor in. And yeah, I mean that all that all is there. And I mean top heavy teams do do run real risks of not only just regression or having a bad season, but also just any any other thing that happens can can really make them fall off. And I think that was a part of it for Portland. And now yeah. they have some hard decisions to make. Well, and this is one of those ones too where I had been thinking that they were going to kind of be in the mid forties the yeah. last two years, and they got into the. Uh, uh, low 50s and i was like all right i'm not getting fooled by these guys again i'm gonna i'm gonna believe it this time and of course i should have just stuck with my instincts uh, of what it was gonna be yeah the whole time. unfortunately we'll probably as we do every year we, we i love doing this podcast we'll forget about the whole like oh if they're not gonna win four or five games above this probably go with the under not that it'll be portland again but there will always be teams like that. Like I did not see a fifty-win team here. Yeah, that's. I mean, I think I I probably predicted them for like forty-seven or forty-eight or something. Right. Uh, Let, let's jump to Sacramento. This was one of only two Western Conference teams where the two of us disagreed. The over/under was set at thirty-eight and a half. And you went over, I went under. You could make an argument that with a hot close to the season, as they looked so much better once De'Aaron Fox got back, that they could they they could have gone over. But they were on 36 win pace, and the 538 Raptor projection was 37. So that's actually too short of going over if we want to think about it. That you have to get to 39. So I think it's it's fair to I guess give me the win here. And Sacramento was. Oh yeah, yeah. Go go ahead and cash that in. Yeah, Sacramento was a challenge because there were reasons to believe. I mean, it's a young team that they could get better but they were also flawed in specific ways they also went through a coaching change and they had some kind of duplicative players and also were really relying on health and performance of a few different guys so I just wasn't as sold again I wasn't sold on them being like a 43 or 44 win team so I went under there and I mean they could have gone over especially if they'd stayed a little healthier yeah the thought was they weren't particularly lucky last year a little on defense yeah uh, other than with health it was the, probably yes. the biggest thing where, that maybe I didn't consider. But, you know, I, and Fox had kind of a rough start to the year. Then he gets that grade three ankle sprain. They battled back from that pretty admirably. And then they had another 2-15 and 15 stretch in December and January. The, Dwayne Dedman just completely falling out of the rotation after five games. I mean, I didn't see that. I thought he was going to really help them. And... Well, and that part of that might case. be related to Bagley getting hurt because then Deadman didn't have as much of a place to be, though him not hitting shots was, I mean, you can't blame that on Bagley. Yeah, no, it did kind of make more sense to go to Rashawn Holmes, who did come out of nowhere as a very effective center. Uh, Corey Joseph just was never a great offensive point guard, but he fell off a cliff completely in terms of his efficiency. Trevor Ariza didn't really do anything in a Kings uniform. He ended up getting traded. I didn't think he was like some amazing signing, but I thought he could provide some depth. He didn't really do that very much either. But he healed, slumped early on, ended well, and up losing then the, his starting spot. The losing him from the starting spot is important. But Bielitsa had a really strong year, and I think that's an important part of their story. Yeah, he was good. He started 61 of their, whatever it was, 66 games. Um, and it, they 
very possibly could have gone over eventually like had the season actually played out i think they could have gotten there they were playing much better there would have been teams tanking down the end that they could have played against like since healed went to the bench they were actually pretty good but and fox was really you know starting to play at close to an all-star level over the last month and a half or so like that had been big you know i think that's more kind of what i was expecting from him the whole season another sign with sacramento was even in some they look good in some of their losses too like they had that game against toronto at golden one center and i think it was the final the final weekend before the hiatus and they look good in a loss like that's something that could be a sign again i mean toronto's one of the best teams in the league and can be a sign that things are going in the right direction i mean do you remember how bad their start was oh my god season yeah like they're like oh and five i think and like i mean there were calls to fire luke walton like two weeks into the season yeah And, and i think maybe if you want to point to what a big miss was is that the going from Jaeger to Walton was a big downgrade. We yep. thought Walton would continue the way that Jaeger had them push the ball. Part of the reason they didn't do that was because Fox fell off a, a, at the beginning of the year and then was injured. But you know they weren't. We didn't see like last year when teams would play them. Like Draymond Green was like, "Wow, what a track meet!" Like that was absolutely exhausting. Like you weren't hearing that kind of a reaction from opponents well, this year. Like teams weren't just like, "Oh my God, we can't stop this Sacramento fast break." Like you just didn't see that. And also something worth noting with Sacramento, I mean, you have these ebbs and flows over the course of a season. Last year, we they finished 18th in defense, and we thought about how there was a little bit of fool's gold there. There was some opponent shooting luck and a few other things. They were forcing a ton of turnovers last year. This year, 19th. And I think they both years they played over their talent level defensively overall. Um, yeah, I, I think that's probably about all I've got uh, on them, really. What about uh, San Antonio? This was one of those ones where we actually implemented that idea you had of, hey, if you don't, if they're over under is 47 and a half and you don't really see a 50 win team here, you're probably better off, like, or a scenario where they could go to 50 wins, you're probably better off going for the under. I still missed on how bad they would be, though. And, and in particular, I thought they would defend better this year. And in fact, they've defended worse despite the return of DeJounte Murray. 24th on defense and 11th on offense. So some of the secret sauce ended up continuing, but they were below average in effective field goal percentage this year. Also couldn't grab an offensive rebound to save their life. And part of that's because they ended up going smaller for portions of the season. Yeah, and I think the biggest thing that we missed on was just how much the loss of Bertans would hurt. Yeah, the bench wasn't as electric as they have been in previous years. But also, um, like for me, the, the the starting unit defense was something I thought was going to be a lot more robust. And it yeah, wasn't. I thought I thought Murray would really help them. And Frank, like he's had about the year that you might have hoped, at least on offense. But he did not make a difference really for them on defense. And then adding him in, I think, really hurt what they did offensively. It really just made the spacing totally untenable as compared to last year, where they were able to get a little bit more shooting around DeRozan in that starting group now playing Murray and DeRozan together that really didn't work at all and so uh they still had some decent bench units you know like Patty Mills had a 3.6 net rating yeah but it wasn't quite as ridiculous as their bench from last year uh Marco Bellinelli played a lot and was not good they LaMarcus Aldridge started to play better started to shoot threes but his first two months of the year was pretty rough DeRozan had a rough start then he got it going and then he started getting some back spasms and he fell off I I still thought they could make a run at the playoffs Rudy Gay also down to 54% true shooting he wasn't very efficient It, it was a lot of guys falling off I mean 11th on offense was still pretty good 
and then you could also point to the fact that they had just you know a little bit of shooting luck to shoot the percentages that they did basically leading the nba in percentages from every range even though their shot distribution wasn't that good when you're shooting the best percentage at the rim from mid-range and from three in the whole league your shot distribution doesn't matter as much and and so we probably i I didn't think that would continue i thought they dropped back close to average on offense they actually maybe even overperformed offensively but i thought they could be an average even slightly above average defense and that was not the case in the slightest and here's a stat from for me when murray and derozan were on the floor together 2300 possessions per queen in the glass negative 6.4 net rating 1095 on offense which is not great, but below average, but not horrendous. But then 115.9 defensive rating. And remember, a lot of these are like your intended starting five. And they just got they just got trucked on defense in those minutes. And then they, they couldn't make it up with the bench units and some of the mixed units. Yeah, I mean, like last year, as I remember, you know, the starters were kind of pretty close to average, maybe a little bit underwater with DeRozan and Aldridge on the floor. But then when they went to their bench units, you know, they were seven, eight type of net ratings. And uh, you know everything kind of moved down a little bit from there. So we were right on this to go at the under. I mean, we spent a lot of time explaining how we thought we were wrong. I mean, I still picked him for winning in the mid 40s. Well, so the whole betting against Popovich yeah. thing, because I mean, yeah, we, we no, were... I mean, this is this is another one of those ones where I, I I'm glad I went with my intuition instead of just ah eh, these guys overperform every year, but I don't quite understand how, so I'm just going to pick that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I mean, it, it it now it feels like such a long time ago, but that 1718 season had so much sway with us. Because that seventeen eighteen season when Kawhi missed the basically missed the whole year, and they somehow out of nowhere had that great defense, and then the year after that they have an offense that defies defies NBA gravity, and you know it's kind of like, well, can they do it again? But the personnel just never made sense to me, and that that and you know stronger teams in the West and all those other things. So yeah, I the only reason I felt less like felt queasy about this under was because of Pop. Like the rest of it just didn't make sense to me from what I recall. But it, but it was like he deserves that kind of deference, arguably the best coach in NBA history. But some some things can't happen. Last one here, Utah. You were oh you went under on them. I did. I changed. Did I talk? Was that what you was talked me? I talked you, you talked me it? out of the over because I was I yeah I was so I was so bullish on this jazz team I, I liked a lot of the theory of it and basically what the what i recall you convinced me of was 54 and a half was just too high a number that it, even though like that there basically it was the, the yeah the, that's basically the logic on every under that, that no but, it, pick, but the idea the that like a 52 or 53 <laughs> win season was totally reasonable and they would have gone yeah under. like yeah. that no I, I, yeah again i mean this is the other ones when you kind of think of the distribution right like what's more likely that they win 50 games or that they win 59 games right like because that's four and a half or, or yeah that's four and a half in either direction i mean winning 50 is much more likely for this group and i just ultimately it was hard for me to say this team even if everything was going to work right like the theory was they keep this awesome defense they have this great shot distribution and they're going to just make all the threes that they're creating this year and so they're going to have a really good offense and the defense rudy gobert will take care of the defense so they'll be fine um and the offense was great after about December 15th, but really struggled before then. Mike Conley, just that addition wasn't as much as we hoped. Rudy Gobert fell off a little bit defensively. They had nothing defensively behind him for a lot of the time. They didn't have those minutes of favors and Gobert together to bolster the defense early on in games, even if that hurt the offense. Well, and their and bench so, defense yeah. was worse too. Yeah, right. Exactly. I mean, Ed Davis really struggled. Then he lost his rotation spot. Tony Bradley was making some strides, but it, you know, he certainly is probably in the lower half of the league of backup centers. And then 
they have one good defensive player on the wing who really you know i thought joe ingles slipped on both ends this year too so it was this wasn't like a disastrous season no by any means but when you also consider like how many bad teams there were this year too and how they really could have fattened up maybe a little bit more than they did which the jazz have done in other years right yeah so i mean they're projected to win 51 82 game pace was 52 and a half so they were clearly going to go under here, it would seem like. Well, and, and, and uh, here, just yeah. a number on that. The Jazz had a 114-4 defensive rating when Gobert was off the floor. Yeah, so that's basically, you know, bottom five in the league, right? The, that number. Yeah, they were, you know, they were above average. They were 77th percentile, 107.6 when he played. Yeah, and I'll still, I mean, I'll still say, I think I, I probably picked them for like 53 or something. You know, they've been worse than I expected in, in all the ways that I just mentioned. I mean, I generally am more of a critic on these to say where I got it wrong, even on the one. So that we got right but well and also yeah, I mean, that was yeah they also yeah, outperformed their point differential by yeah. t- by 2.4 wins just over the part of the season we saw so far yeah that's a great point too they had underperformed their point differential the last couple of years right so yeah Locke and i actually did he we had a conversation i think on real gm radio about that about why they had done that in previous years and so i kind of you know that was another like oh maybe they won't do it this year and then they didn't but it just wasn't enough yeah and i think it, you know snarky comment aside 54 and a half just is like a big number for this team like i didn't think that this team if you just look at the top end talent you know does this look like a top five team in the nba yeah they had a lot of depth in theory but there are a lot of guys who could have dropped off due to age we didn't know what it was going to look like defensively and so uh, ultimately, they, they, I think this was the right call to go under. Even if I didn't necessarily see a lot of the ways that it could go wrong for them, I felt like there were enough, just more ways that they could miss this number than. I mean, because they went to get to 55 wins, that was just seemed like a lot for a group. That's one of the other things that we like to say too is, you know, if you're talking about 55 wins or over, if this group hasn't proven to be at that level before, that's like pretty tough to pick that. Yeah, that that's a fair point. To go to go big picture uh, for the overall league, you went fourteen, fourteen and two. I went thirteen, fifteen and two, and would, that means we had, I believe, five disagreements. You got three of them right. I got two of them. Yeah, and I, I think our our ties would have been more likely than not to resolve in our favor. Um, but yeah, this is my worst year that since we've been doing that. I don't yes. think I've ever been. I don't think I've ever done worse than nineteen wins since we started doing this. And and perhaps it would have played out a little bit. But I mean, were there any other ones that were like we would have had a chance to maybe get to? Maybe Sacramento for me. Um, Indiana. There that many other yeah maybe indiana clippers if they like really shut things down houston but no i mean most of these were uh, pretty close to decided cleveland we might have ended up losing correct uh knicks we might have ended up losing houston we might have ended up winning but i don't think so 55 would have been a lot for them yeah yeah i i, I mentioned that one um did you mention denver denver's one we- well yeah yeah that's one of the two ties that i yeah. thought would have resolved in our favor sure uh so our best bets here quickly, as is tradition, I once again beat you on the record among all 30 teams. You once again beat me on the best bets. You went four and one and I went three and two. Yeah. And the one the one bet that you had that I didn't that didn't pay out was the Washington under. And that was a weird one because in certain ways the process ended up being right. It was just that their offense was better. And so they did that. So like, you know, that wasn't one of the worst losses out there. So yeah, I mean, um, always always a worthwhile endeavor and i and well I'll, well here okay should we go through let's uh let's like pick our uh, our category winners here sure uh your smartest pick i was proud of my aggressiveness with the okc over 
you know, yeah, like that's that, probably it for you. Yeah, yeah I mean, because that because there was one that I know there was some stuff. It's like I, I thought they were going to blow past. I thought they were going to beat it by like maybe like ten. They they probably they would have beaten it by twenty. But like that idea, the idea that they were way better than people thought they were. For me, it'd be Lakers over fifty. Uh, I think I'd pick them for fifty-three wins, which is a pretty significant number over the over under. Usually, I, I when I do my subjective picks, it won't be that big of a difference. So that's probably the one uh, that I would go to. Golden State under, even though they ended up being like so far under, we were just so right to be totally low on them. And there's no way, even if everyone had stayed healthy, they would have gotten anywhere close to forty-eight and a half. I don't think. Um, dumbest pick for me, I think it's that Orlando under just because the th- I broke. Well, yeah, my- you you went over on, on Orlando. Yeah, Orlando over. I just broke my yeah. own rules. Yeah, and- For, forty-two and a half. Yeah, I just. It- they they could have absolutely done it. Like I mean, if things had gone slightly differently. But I'm frustrated with myself because that that idea that I didn't think they were going to win like 46, 47 games. So don't don't push it too hard. Let's see what's the one that I'm kicking myself on the most here. Probably got to be Detroit over 38. Just the the health of Blake Griffin, like having to rely on that was just yeah. Because like that's different than betting the health of of Carl Anthony Towns, which we both did because Towns right. had been an Iron Man. Yeah, I mean, I do think there are a lot of these where I'm not killing myself about getting it wrong. I mean, and most of these ones in the West, really, I think, weren't ones where a lot of other people saw it coming. I think my process was pretty good on a lot of these ones. I'm I'm a little frustrated with myself on Phoenix because... Again, it's not breaking the own rules, but the we, you and I have talked so much over the years about the value of NBA caliber players at every position, and yeah. we I think we were too tied to the prior there, and you know like ma- making that that's that's a, I think one of the biggest lessons I want to learn from this. Hopefully, remember for next time around is that it, when a team goes from having real depth issues to not having depth issues, that's worth a few wins, like at least a few wins. Yeah. I just didn't think the players they brought in were that good. And Rubio really was good for, for them. Like and he, Baines he was made too. A big difference. I didn't think his fit was that great because he can't shoot. And I thought they'd want to put the ball in Booker's hands. But they did a really nice job of using Booker as an off-ball player and letting Rubio set that up so he still had some gravity. And you know some of those quick plays, screens for him, transition attacks, that kind of stuff. I thought Rubio was going to take more off the table for them offensively. But in, in fact, he, you know, pushing the ball in transition as well like he was really a big plus for them on offense where i thought he would still be kind of playing at a below average level for them even if he was slightly oh, I, better i thought of another dumb pick toronto for me like i i should yeah. i should have yeah. seen some of that coming especially because we disagreed yeah because i just thought they were always going to be good defensively they had a great coach sure you didn't see siakam taking this leap forward but um okay uh bad beat i don't particularly see one uh, for me, it would be Denver if we did, in fact, lose it, both with their point differential lock, the shooting lock. I, I think that ultimately would have been, uh, if we had lost that one, I, I don't, and just I generally don't think they're that good. So so that would be one. Um, if Cleveland had somehow come through, I mean, I guess we're giving ourselves the win on that one. Like, I think I think if there's an argument for Indiana, except that they were so much better in the non-Oladipo time than we expected. So I would say that's not yeah. that's not a bad beat, even though it was. Yeah, close. I mean, when when you've got when you've got just players who are playing better than you expected, like you can't complain about that. You right. just got it wrong. Yeah. Um. I mean, and I'm kind of annoyed that like I'm losing Washington, like that bullshit ass <laughs> team, like. <laughs> Like worth yeah. to go over I, to go over the, a low over under, but still not be particularly like, relevant. Like they're they're. I mean, it was pretty. I predicted they were going to be like maybe the worst defense in NBA history. That prediction was correct, and they still are going to fucking go over. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Uh, lucky win. I feel like in some ways it's Charlotte. 
<laughs> yeah, maybe. Although Graham actually being good was, was part. Well, of I mean it. that's that's why is because they succeeded in a way that I did not expect. Yeah. Also, outperform out four wins over their differential. They have to, their point differential this season is actually right around their over under them. Um. Who else could I point to? Yeah, well, we don't have as many wins to choose from this year. That that's a problem. That's true. I think we earned most of our wins this year. Yeah, I would say so. I even I could make an argument for me with Stack, where like I mean I think the process on it, you know, especially if they would have had a hot close, like I think it could have been one of those like they finished with thirty eight and then you're just yeah. cranky for a month. But um, yeah, it, it it could have gone it could have gone that way. But yeah, not too many, not too many like really kind of for you could maybe make an argument for the Knicks because they've been so much better over this little period of time that if they had just figured things out slightly earlier and they like yeah, i mean figured out better to be like a 29 win team not to be like a 35 win team yeah but like the 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 way this team was put together was was terrible correct you knew it was like a, it was a ticking time bomb from the coaching and ownership i mean would, i'm would, never gonna apologize for for picking the knicks under would you sure. is there a part of it with philly no because philly i i, I thought there's no way they're gonna have their pedal to metal they're not gonna stay healthy all year like yeah, they're still pretty reliant on Embiid. they're figuring things out this they've got a lot of old guys that are gonna be kind of resting up for the regular season i mean there's all the noise out of there was hey we just got to get joel healthy for the playoffs that's you you never expect they're gonna just dominate that way um all right two more categories here your best win over me i don't have that many to choose from <laughs> so it's basically detroit or sack I'll go with Detroit just because my idea there ended up being right. Sacramento was more yeah. on the margins and I just got it. So yeah, I'll go with that. Yeah. My you have best some good ones you. to choose from. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I've got, I mean, probably Lakers because that's, yeah, the that's one what I was it should most be. Confident in. Yeah. Uh, Toronto again, like I, I thought I picked the over, I thought they'd be better, but I was picking, you know, two wins over or something like I wasn't picking 12, but I mean, I, it wouldn't shock me if this year has more teams with a greater divergence from their, their over under than any other year possible that, that we've seen I, I that's something actually might be worth researching because we're gonna have a little time on our hands by the way in case in case guys didn't realize that uh so that, that might be something worth looking at um it shouldn't be too hard to calculate actually we've got these spreadsheets going back for a few years now we could we could just uh maybe ben can help with us with that uh yeah that we could like do do a podcast in, like the craziest year that might be interesting mm-hmm. and, and yeah we are totally open for business by the way anybody who wants to hear us talk about anything in particular we're gonna do mailbag pods we got like interesting stuff coming here larry coon is going to be on the pod tomorrow to talk about some of the cba stuff uh and that that'll be really interesting also i actually wrote something wow uh but it's actually about the covid19 situation and what it was is based on my wife and my experience with trying to convince some of the business owners in our lives that it's smarter to close and we're seeing a little bit more of that now uh, with the news today illinois governor is closing bars and restaurants but it basically is a way if you work in an establishment and you don't feel safe coming into work or you just think it'd be better for public health that they're to temporarily close it's a guide to writing to your manager or owner or even obviously it's worth worth it for owners to look at it too maybe you'd be persuaded by some of the stuff uh, that's in there as well but that's twin pinned to the top of my twitter page and you, you can find it there go there at nate duncan nba you'll see it right there at the top if you're interested and if you 
are in those discussions or, or you're worried at all, feel free to reach out to me either by Twitter DM. My DMs are open. Email address is in my Twitter bio as well. If you want some help doing that, I'm uh, absolutely happy to you know, help you write a letter or edit whatever you've got, whatever you uh, need. I think it's something that we acquired some expertise for. We actually got my wife's uh, studio, one of the ones she works at, to switch to all online yoga classes because we were concerned that that's uh, certainly a ripe atmosphere tr- for transmission of the virus. So it, uh, that, I, I thought it was a success story. We feel good about that. Where I, I got a nice note from a coffee shop owner in Michigan who said he read that and decided it, it was a good idea uh, to close things down as well temporarily um which is definitely it's 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 tough because you have hourly workers who are dependent on you but also there are some major public health implications as well so it's all it's all in that article i hope you guys will read that and uh would appreciate some commentary on that and also last thing too share your stories i i would like to get more of these i was hoping to get more of talking to your friends and your relatives and anyone in your life who is not practicing physical social distancing we there are ways to do uh social interaction without being in person but you know if you know someone who's still going out to bars or restaurants or or just not taking the precautions that could be helping all of us right now and please reach out to those people in your life and share your stories with me it would really make me feel good to hear that to feel like we are making a difference it's going to be uncomfortable you'll probably only succeed in 25 percent of the cases you're going to feel like you're being annoying but we just all have to do it. It's the only way me just tweeting to people who are already doing it isn't going to help. The people who are already doing it need to get other people to already do it in a, a way that is not shaming that's actually persuasive these aren't monsters who are doing this they just don't understand just like we didn't understand even a week ago so uh if you need some tips on that as well please reach out to me i'll try to answer as many as you can i'm sure danny would be happy to do that as well of course and and uh we'll talk to you tomorrow night Uh, stay safe out there everyone